Today we're going to be continuing with the Biden-Harris Lift Every Voice plan and we're going to be getting into this section on supporting African-American workers. Let's get into it. This is Lessons, Lessons from, from the, from the from Screen. The screen. John Boyle. So welcome to Lessons from the Screen, the show where we give you a review of whether or not any particular information that you can get from any particular screen of any particular kind is worth your time. We waste our time, our energy, and our brain power so that you don't have to. You are always welcome. Lessons from the Screen is still sponsored by Pax Inc., a black activist advocacy and think tank organization with the purpose of increasing the quality of life for black people in America through education, culture shift, and economics. You should definitely check them out at www.pactsinc.org. There are a lot of things you can do over there. Leave a review, become a member, leave a donation, tell a friend to tell a friend, check out the Learning Center, do whatever you can to help them because they are doing whatever they can to help you. And today we are going to get into it. So let's go ahead and get into it. So part seven of the series today, we are going to be looking at the fight for equal pay. We're going to be looking at ensuring federally funded projects protect workers. We're going to be looking at encouraging diverse hiring and promotion practices, restoring the federal government's role in setting the bar for other employers to advance opportunities for all workers, protect essential workers in the COVID-19 crisis, and finally, turn unemployment insurance into employment insurance. These are the things that we're going to be talking about. These are the things that we are going to be getting into. So let us go ahead and get into what we are going to get into, starting with the fight for equal pay. So this section starts out using a fact sheet from the National Women's Law Center from October of 2018, which makes the case that black women made 61 cents for every dollar made by white men in 2017, which equaled out to nearly $24,000 less a year and nearly $1 million less over a lifetime. And I do like that the report compares all subgroups of women to white men that's it's kind of a pet peeve of mine when people say that women make x amount and men make x amount because as a general statement usually those things are not true white women make more money than black men and the fact sheet itself is an interesting read however let's see what joe biden is talking about being done for it in his lift every voice plan so the plan goes on to mention the work that biden was a part of during the obama administration and i don't find it cute that he he calls it the obama biden administration you know we we never do that we never refer to a presidential administration as the president slash vice president administration but it, it is cute seeing him do this for political purposes and i'm sure it's been done before for political purposes i'm not saying that politicians don't do it i'm just saying general public like it's not the trump pence administration it's the trump administration back when obama was president it wasn't the obama biden administration it was the obama administration so this it's been cute reading this this many times but in any case he goes on to mention the work that he was a part of during the Obama administration to protect workers against retaliation for discussing wages and requiring employers collect and report wage gaps to the federal government. 
Now, what he's referring to is two executive orders signed by Obama in 2014. Uh, one directed the Department of Labor to collect information regarding what federal contractors pay their employees. The other sought to prevent federal contractors from retaliating against employees for talking about compensation packages. And this was done through executive orders because Congress was deadlocked about how they should proceed regarding compensation equality. But another key point to mention is, and actually there are two additional key points to mention because the primary the, the one that i'm going to mention now is the fact that obama did nearly everything he did through executive orders because the republicans in congress led by mitch mcconnell vowed that they would not pass any legislation while he was in office so he if he wanted to do anything he had to do it through after he got over the love of the um the honeymoon period and he lost his democratic congress in the midterms he had to do everything he was going to do through executive orders which made it extremely easy for the next administration to come in and overturn all of those with executive orders which is exactly what happened but that's one point of mention about why this was passed through executive orders the the other point to mention here is that the both of these things that we're talking about already had similar laws and protections in place regarding private sector components we'll say it like that so the national labor relations act of 1935 provides these protections for private sector non-supervisor non-independent contractor employees yes i know that's a lot of stipulations but these executive orders even at the time were acknowledged by independent uh, third-party researchers to be tools for providing visibility to issues regarding pay equality and to gain political points but not to really do anything substantial to affect change neither of the executive orders carried any meaningful force and in any case biden says he will codify these orders into law he can't he needs congress and he says he will make it easier for workers to join together in class action lawsuits. How will he do this? It's not mentioned. And he says he will shift the burden to employers to prove pay gaps exist for job related reasons. Again, how will he do this? It's not mentioned. And increase penalties against companies that discriminate. Once again, say it with me. How? Sway, how will he do this? It's not mentioned. Now, for most of these points, he is going to need congressional action as executive orders only impact the federal government. And Congress doesn't look at this moment like it's going to be a friendly Congress. So to the last few points that he makes, to the last point in particular, he points at the Paycheck Fairness Act, which was, was sponsored by a Democrat, Delorio, and... Of, Con of Connecticut and brought forward January of 2019 and the bill is specifically designated to address gender-based wage discrimination through a few measures and I'm not going to get into it because at the moment it's not a law and it doesn't look like it's ever going to become a law it passed the house in March 2019 but has not been taken up by the Senate and if things go the way they're looking like they're gonna go Mitch McConnell is going to still be the man in control of the Senate and which means that it's not gonna come up they're not gonna take it up now not in, not unless there's a massive shift in public opinion that forces them to but I don't see that happening anytime ever so 
I'm not going to get into that. Uh, according to Scopos Labs, it has a 3% chance of being enacted. Those things would be beneficial to black women if they came to pass, but there is very little indication that they will come to pass. And we don't know the form they would take if they pass, which makes it hard to gauge the impact that they would have in their final form. That being said, I get this whole section to see. I can see where there are benefits, and if it does come to play, it would affect a significant portion of black people in a in if only a minor way. But with so many questions, it's hard to just get excited about a plan that that doesn't really give you enough details to be excited about. So we on to the next up. Next up, what's up? So the next part is to ensure federally funded projects protect workers. And this part of the plan says that Biden will propose federal legislation that incorporates labor positions contained in Senator Merkley's Good Jobs for the 21st Century Energy Act. Now, the Good Jobs Act was introduced in July of 2019 by Democratic Senator Jeff Merkley from Oregon, and it is yet to come out of committee. So it has a very slim chance of passing, again, less than 3%. The plan links to a single page information sheet on the act and the act has the stated goal of providing labor standards for certain energy jobs. But the plan doesn't state which labor provi provisions he will include in his proposal. They are all pretty good. I'll be honest about that. But some of them are better than others and will have a bigger impact on the black community than others. And all in all, I'm I'm just I don't know if you've caught the vibe or not, but I'm not trying to speculate on ambiguity. So I'll wait to see what what else happens here. The plan also says that he will adopt all basic labor protections, ensuring all investments meet the Davis-Bacon wage guidelines in the Davis-Bacon Act of 1931 requires that contractors working on federally funded jobs pay their laborers wages and benefits at least what others pay their workers for similar projects in the private sector. He also proposes a ban on anti-worker provisions of which forced arbitration and the overuse of temporary staffing agencies is listed. Both of these are potentially huge for the black community depending on how they are rolled out. Arbitration is a problem because employers are more likely to have a favorable outcome during arbitration versus in a trial and and an issue that particular issue is caused by several factors um one of which is that there's a lack of an appeals process there the other of which is that there's a lack of information sharing guidelines meaning that employees might not have access to the important information needed to approve their case because employers have it and they don't have to share it now overuse of temp agencies is a problem because workers can be hired for long-term jobs without getting employment benefits and oftentimes temp agencies and companies working with them don't adhere to class protections so you have black people getting discriminated against and those that do get in are not compensated fairly so both of those could be potential huge uh, things for the black community if they're rolled out in a favorable way now he says that he will require federally funded projects to employ workers trained in 
registered apprenticeship programs and to prioritize project labor and community workforce agreements and federal procurement procedures, neither of which would have a major impact on black people because most black workers don't work in realms that would be affected by these changes. And we're not even going to talk about apprenticeship programs in the black community. That's a whole show in and of itself. But suffice it to say that neither one of those two things are going to have a major impact. And he wraps up this entire section by using the national infrastructure investments that he talks about in another part of his plan, not this plan, another plan, to create millions of middle class jobs, creating union and non-union work across industries. And yet again, we'll, we'll have to see how many of these jobs actually go into the community. So this one is a C as well. It's big on potential not on specifics nor on the ways that's going to cater specifically to the black community so the next section goes over how that he's going to encourage diverse hiring and promotion practices and this section says that biden will require companies to make public their overall workforce diversity and senior level diversity and this is again a how uh, this will require an act of congress be unless he's going to do it specifically for companies that are trying to get federal contracts but that the information alone won't change things it it would be some another tool that can be used by activist organizations and others to kind of showcase disparities but if we're being fair and honest about this we already know the makeup of these these companies and and the things that would be showcased by them so unless there's something to go with that this is a meaningless gesture and i don't even know that he can get congressional buy-in to make this a law i could see there being strong pushback on something like this from the conservative side of the aisle in any case he says he also says he will support employers in increasing diverse hiring and promotion by providing federal grants to states cities and organizations to develop and implement evidence-based practices and innovative solutions and a representation of this is the uh and well that's presented in this case anyways not that i'm coming up with on my own is the ban the box legislation which would prevent employers from asking if an applicant has been convicted of a crime on the application form now they're not saying that you'll never know they're just saying you should wait to get into maybe an interview process or something like that where you can talk to a person and really get the full story behind why they were arrested some of them are saying that others are saying you should just it should not even be a requirement so there's a spectrum on that a range on that as well um but it just mentions the ban the box legislation so he also says he will push employers to hire and retain diverse employees and end discriminatory hiring policies. And all this is cool and all, but diversity includes white women and gay white men as well as other non-black members. So I don't really see how this will help as diversity training and things of that nature hasn't helped significantly thus far. You can't train away a, life, a lifetime of something being inculcated into someone in a one-hour training session or even an eight-hour training session and the idea that you can is insulting and ludicrous and just as insulting as it is ludicrous and just as ludicrous as it is insulting they kind of build on each other 
to form this this ever-growing continuous loop of insulting people that look at this kind of stuff and think that uh, and, and want to believe anyways that there's hope for the future in any case moving on and moving forward Finally, he says that he will increase funding to programs and commissions that investigate equal opportunity issues. But as I've said repeatedly, I simply don't see how something like this can or should be held up as something that's beneficial to black people in his backslash black America plan. Not saying that it wouldn't be beneficial, just that it's more of an American thing than a black American thing in his plan for black America should it be focused on ways and means to help black Americans specifically. I've said it basically every show. This rising tide logic doesn't work where black people are concerned. It just doesn't. Our boats, once again, are anchored to the seafloor and there's a hole in our shit. We all gonna drown to death. That's what's happening. Again, look at COVID. That's what's happening. Anyways, moving on and moving forward. So the next section talks about uh, restoring the federal government's role in setting the bar for other employers to advance opportunities for all workers. And this section pretty much follows in the pattern of the rest of the things that we've been discussing in this show. He highlights the fair pay and safe workplaces executive orders signed by Obama in 2014 and revoked by Trump in 2017. And this section states that this EO requires employers compliance with labor and employment laws be taken into account when determining whether or not they get federal contracts. Included in Obama's EO, which was EO 13673, if anyone wants to look it up was provisions blocking arbitration claims, transparency of pay provisions, and provisions regarding sexual assault or harassment, but only for companies competing for or working on federal contracts. And those are all beneficial things. We talked about arbitration earlier and how companies shouldn't be allowed to mandate arbitration of issues and arbitration claims in employment agreements, things like that. Transparency of pay. Again, I talked about it. It's, it's, it's not a bad thing, but it's not necessarily useful in and of itself by itself. And but it is something that can be used by other people to make a case. So I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying it's like, let's not pretend like it's something major. And then provisions regarding sexual assault and harassment. Of course, that's always going to be useful. And I believe things like that are already on the books. But keeping it moving, he says that he will mandate that contractors publicly disclose plans to recruit and advance people of color, women, people with disability and covered vets while increasing enforcement efforts and pursuing debarment or blocking contractors from federal contracts if they refuse to end discriminatory practices but again this isn't specific to the black community and a company could be in full compliance without making any meaningful progress towards employing black people because this policy is about diversity and there is nothing tangible here for black people and this this pretty much sums up why i'm repeatedly saying if it's not specifically designed for black people it doesn't really help black people until we see that it's helping black people because 
if we're just going off diversity and, the, and diversity alone doesn't really help any minority group in America outside of white women and the LGBTQ community. Um, and the reason I say this is because white women and white men are a part of the LGBTQ community and white women are women. Yeah. So a company could, in theory, still be all white and benefit and, and be in compliance with diversity standards if they have enough women and if they have enough lgbtq members now i'm not knocking either one of those groups the lgbtq or white women what i'm saying is it's not a win for black people if that's the case it's also not a win for black people if a company only brings in hispanic workers or if they only bring in Indian workers or if they only bring in Native American workers or if they only bring in you know Asian workers these will fulfill the diversity mandates but it isn't necessarily something that's beneficial for black people now I know a lot of people feel how they want to feel about affirmative action this ain't a show for that but this is a show just showcasing that you can't say I'm going to push diversity I'm going to push hiring uh, women, LGBT, vets, and vets again. I'm a veteran myself, but here we go. White women and white men are vets. You know, I'm going to push all of these different groups for diversity and then not put any sort of standards on the demographic makeup of a company. And if we're going to play this game, then we need to play it all the way or we need to not play it at all. People either need to either need to come out the closet or they need to stay in the closet. And I had a better analogy in my mind. But as I was saying it, I was like, yeah, that's not a good analogy. So I stopped. And it's not that it wasn't a good analogy because it wasn't a good analogy uh, because it was like file file or or like like attacking somebody or anything like that because i already could hear you people like oh man it was about to make a gay joke no it wasn't like that it was just it was a bad representation of what i was trying to say because somebody you you guys would have heard it and been like wait that don't even match up with what you talking about right that's why i didn't say it so moving on and moving forward so this section starts out with a very interesting report from april of this year 2020 by McKinsey and company. And the topic of the report is COVID-19, investing in black lives and livelihoods. And it talks about the ways that the COVID-19 pandemic will disproportionately affect black Americans unless immediate action is taken. And predictably enough, most of the things they talked about have come to pass. But I said predictably, not because they came to pass, but because the report is a great example, another great example of outside researchers verifying what is common consensus to many of us in the black community. And that's not to disrespect the report in any way or the, you know, the, 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 what went into producing the reports. Reports like that are necessary. They, uh, in showcasing the conditions for black people, especially when we need to negotiate better pathways to opportunities and resources outside of the community. You need those reports to be able to say, it's not us, it's not in our heads, we're not crazy, this is real. So definitely check the report out and we may very well do a show on it, but I say it was predictable because we were having in-depth conversations about what the report covers in sections in the community 
in late February and early March with some surface level conversation starting in early February. Remember, I did my very first show introducing COVID-19 and some concerns I had about it in late January. And I was on another show in late January talking about COVID-19. So there are two shows. No, there are actually, yeah, there are two shows that I know for a fact that I was on talking about COVID-19 in late January. So it, it, it's not that the report is groundbreaking in what it shows, but it is useful. But in either case, what the Biden plan pulled from the report is the fact that nine of 10 of the lowest paid high contact essential services are overrepresented by black workers. He then points to his plan to protect all essential workers, which is another area of the website and goes on to talk about the four things that he would do. Now, peep game what I just said there. Overrepresentation and high contact essential services by black workers. He has a plan to protect all essential workers. So again, I'm not going to get into it. I've already said it before. But the first of the things that he's going to do is ensuring that all frontline workers qualify for PPE and COVID testing, as well as childcare assistance and other forms of emergency COVID-19 support. So the CARES Act already had most of the th these things in it. And we did like a 22 or 23 part show on the CARES Act. So we covered that pretty in depth. So you, you definitely gonna go and wanna, wanna go and check that out if you haven't checked that out yet and you're interested in the CARES Act. But most of this stuff was already done in the CARES Act. So I'm not really sure what else uh, he can do outside of some serious enforcement efforts. And it looks like they're going to have a mandatory vaccine for frontline workers shortly after the uh, Biden is sworn in. So I'm not, not even sure how much any of this stuff is gonna matter unless it's made to be a permanent medical emergency type law instead of a COVID specific thing and even with that he has to get congressional activity he has to get some sort of congressional movement on this the next point is the expand access to effective ppe including through the use of defense the defense production act and there's really nothing to say here, although it might not be necessary to have the Defense Production Act evoked as the federal government has a stockpile from the Trump administration outbidding states and not sharing enough with them. He might also be able to share some of the, uh, he might just, not also, just be able to share some of the federal stockpile, but again, vaccine. So I guess I did have something to say. Uh, the third point made here is the he's going to establish and enforce health and safety standards for workplaces. Again, CARES Act did this. And for this to be in the black community plan, I need to see how this will specifically impact black people. The Biden four point plan on COVID, which again is is linked to in this section and goes into some depths on these four points, mentioned doubling the number of OSHA's investigators to enforce the law which is something that could have a noticeable impact provided it has time to work because you know dot 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 vaccine um but the pending end of the covid crisis provided that the vaccine doesn't kill people or turn the world into the zombie apocalypse or something like that which for the record i don't think is gonna happen but you kind of gotta wonder about you know, by the time he takes office in January, whether any of this is even going to matter. 
I think it will, but I don't necessarily believe he's going to have enough time to roll all of this stuff out and have it make an impact. Not unless something stupid crazy happens with COVID or the uh, potential mandatory vaccines that are going to be getting rolled out. And I don't know that the vaccines are going to be mandatory for everybody, but I do know that they're going to be mandatory for some people. So if you might as well go ahead and start wrapping your minds around the fact that especially if you're an essential worker, that vaccine might be mandatory for you. If you have uh, kids that go to public school, that vaccine might be mandatory for you. So if you are somebody that is hesitant about the vaccine, you can look at getting a new job or uh, starting a business or homeschool Hmm. anyways the next point the fourth point the last point that he's gonna uh, that he's mentioning with regards to this is that there's talk about enacting a premium pay for frontline workers and Although no mention of what premium pay actually means, unless it's the $15 an hour that he's talking about a lot as being the new federal minimum wage, this could be a big deal if it happens, especially if they give out back pay, but we just don't know enough to say anything nice. So the the final section we're going to get into today talks about turning employment insurance into, I'm sorry, unemployment insurance into employment insurance. And this section links to another plan in the title itself, jumping to Biden's plan to scale up employment insurance for reforming by reforming short term compensation programs. It then links to the previously mentioned McKinsey report on COVID in Black America, this time pulling out statements on Black people being more likely to work in jobs subject to reduced hours, furloughs, and layoffs during the pandemic. From here, it says that Biden would transform unemployment insurance into employment insurance for workers getting by getting states to adopt and dramatically scale up the short-time compensation program, but there is no mention of how he will get the states to do this. Notice the pattern. In any case, the plan goes on to state that under short-time compensation plans, firms keep workers employed, but at reduced hours, and the federal government helps to make up the wage difference. He then links to a document on short-time compensation produced in February 2016, while talking about how he and Obama championed short-time compensation. Now, short-term, short-time compensation, as mentioned earlier, is referred to as work-sharing programs and allows companies to give out less hours instead of outright firing people. And the plan also links to a fact sheet that shows that more than half of the states in America have established short-time compensation programs and he states that he will scale up the program in all U.S. states and territories, but again, no mention of how. And I honestly don't think it would work anyways, even with companies getting paid to keep employees on staff, they've been firing black people. So it, it's one of them things where it sounds nice, but you're assuming that people are going to act in an honorable way in execution. And American experience has taught me this. They will not. So, you know, poo-poo to you, foo-foo. But that is all for this show. We will be getting 
into his plan to expand access to high quality education and tackle racial inequality in our education system in our next show. But I want to know what you guys think about this particular section that we just went over today. I want to know how you feel about what it does. Is it going to have an impact? Do you agree with me? Do you not agree with me? Do you feel like this is sufficient support for African-American workers? This is Lessons, Lessons from, from, the from the Screen. screen. John Boyle. John Boyle. So once again, I want to thank you guys for listening and supporting. Remember to share the shows with your friends, with your families, have conversations and have conversations with me as well. Give me feedback on what you think about the shows. Definitely the place that you can find all of the shows is going to be the Freedom Train website, www.freedomtrainradio.com. Look for the lesson from the screen tab. Be sure to support us on Patreon, www.patreon.com backslash LFTS. And you can find some of the videos that we're going to be dropping on YouTube on the Freedom Train Network's YouTube channel. You can also support us by going and purchasing the book the chasm by patrick irvin you can find it on amazon or you can find it on the my personal website www.patrickbirvin that's p-a-t-r-i-c-k-b-i-r-v-i-n-e.com you'll find the chasm there um definitely support us you can reach me always through internet or through email patrick at freedomtrainnetwork.com and be sure last but not least be sure to go to the google play store if you have an android device and get that freedom train network app and that'll give you access to all of the shows up to date you don't have to search you don't have to you get automatically notified and that is the best way to support us and stay in touch with us Definitely check the website if you are interested in becoming a podcaster, if you are a black podcaster that already has a show or is interested in joining the network, we'll take you even if you don't want to join the network, you can definitely go to the website and submit and we are anxious and looking forward to and excited to work with you. Catch you guys on the next show.